Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I want to take a moment, just coming off of Easter, to remind you that you are all messed up, um, that you are all broken. And I think it's, you know, we do this a lot. I remind you of this a lot because it's really important for us to remember that at one time in our lives, we, or still, uh, we're, we're messed up. There's just stuff about us that's a little broken. You know, God intended us to be something, but we're not that yet. We're getting there. We're a work in progress. And so when we talk about what we're going to talk about today, it is very important that we as Christians handle this topic as believers with grace and with mercy, not ninja kicks and mallets. Because all too often as the church, when we deal with subjects of truth that we're going to talk about today, we can become our own biggest enemy. Um, and for those of you that needed to hear that, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, praise the Lord. My grandma Chevy would absolutely be floored about the sermon this morning. Uh, because like 40 years ago, the topic that we're going to be talking about would not have been a topic that needed to be addressed. Because, you see, this morning we're talking about truth. And 40 years ago, truth was just truth. It just, just was. But since like that whole modern movement and everybody talking about God being dead, truth has really kind of become a matter of opinion. And I actually think this is a great deception of Satan that he even convinces Christians to believe that. We're in the middle of, we're in the beginning of our I Am series where we're talking about the statements that Christ has made when he says, I am. Last week, if you remember, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we focused on Easter, the fact that we have a God who loves us so much, he came down from heaven, took upon himself the sins of the world, he, he was crucified on a cross, he bore the punishment for us, and then rose up from the dead and went to his fathers to prepare a place for us. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Because apart from Christ's resurrection, there is no life. If you remember, we talked about that last week. But this week, we see a very similar statement where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. And in order for us to understand how Jesus is the way, in order for us to understand how Jesus is life, we first have to, unfortunately, understand what truth is. Because we live in a culture and a society where truth is subjective. This blows me away. We live in a society where you can't tell someone that they're wrong. Or you can't tell someone that they're right. Because we want to make sure that we don't offend anybody and we want to make sure that we protect everybody's feelings. And so if little Timmy wants to believe that two and two equals five, who are you to tell him he's wrong? Well, let me tell you something. If you believe that gravity doesn't exist and you jump off a building, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Because, believe it or not, in spite of what the society and our culture tells us, there is a right and a wrong. There is a solid line of truth and lie. And the greatest thing that Satan has been convincing us is that there is this blurred line. Now, even as Christians... It blows me away how we're buying into this lie. 
that we believe somehow that in, inside of us we have the ability to make truth be something that's comfortable for us. I want to say something to you right now. I did not write this book. I did not put the words in this book. And I'll be very honest with you. There are things in this book I wish weren't in this book because it would make life easier. But they're there. And in this book is truth. I don't make that up. Truth is not relative. Truth is not my opinion. See, we've confused opinions and truth. We think that our opinion has to be truth. I believe that pepperoni is the most incredible piece of, of, of extra that you can have on a pizza. Because I say that, it is truth, according to our society. But to some of you out there, you know that that's not true, because in fact, you believe that mushrooms are in fact the greatest topping that can be on a pizza. So therefore, that is truth to you. But the reality of it is, is we're both wrong, because it's just an opinion. Truth is mushroom is a fungus. No matter how much you like it, no matter how much you want it on your pizza, it is a fungus. The next time you're pulled over by a police officer for running a stop sign, I want you to look at the officer and say, Sir, in my reality, those are just suggestions. And see how he responds to your truth. The reality of it is, is in our society today, we are plagued by this thought that morality comes from where we're comfortable. We don't like the idea of the fact that God has laid out for us a perfect plan for living, and because it makes us uncomfortable, we say it's wrong. Or we say it can't be true. Even the Christians today take scriptures like Romans 1, and we say, what does it really mean when God speaks against certain lifestyles and the way that people are living? We say, well, that's mean. No. It's what God's talking about. God is calling sin, sin. He's not light on sin. Do you realize God intended for this world to be a place where we ran around butt naked in the garden? But it was a little sin that ruined all that. Think about that. We struggle with these big gross sins that we come up with, but it was simply Adam and Eve disobeying God. I mean, come on, they ate, an, they ate a fruit. Think about that. The next time your kid says, Mom, I'm not going to eat from the cookie jar. And you say, don't eat from the cookie jar. And they eat from the cookie jar. Are you going to kick them out of your house? It seems intense, doesn't it? But the reality is this. God is perfect. God is truth. God is light. And, and we have this messed up view of sin because we think that sin has a scale to it, but the reality of it is, is all sin is sin. And so when Adam and Eve ate that apple or fruit or whatever it was, it had nothing to do with what they actually did, but it had everything to do with the fact that they were disobedient to God. We taught this before. It was something as simple as that. Because you see... There is a truth out there. Don't listen to the world and what it tells you. Young adults, listen to me. You are, you are victims of, of, of years and years and years 
of people telling you that moralism is what you make of it and, 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 and what your reality and what truth is is what you think. Listen to me. We were wrong for being taught that. It, it is wrong for us to have been taught that. We look at our culture today and we wonder why our country is going down the tubes. We wonder why we've got children running into schools with knives and and there's some knuckleheads that go out and say, that's just God's wrath. No, it's the consequence of years and years and years of telling our children that there is no truth. That is what we're seeing today. And if we as Christians can stand up and say, no, there is truth, there is life, there is a way the way that we're supposed to be doing, we would see a great big difference in our world today. Do you understand what I'm saying? I got in a conversation with a radio host, a sports show around here in Pittsburgh, talking about college athletes cheating. And I had my son Brandon in the back of the car, and I may have told you this before. And this gentleman on the radio was saying, well, you know, it's okay. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And my son says to me from the back seat, Daddy, isn't cheating wrong? And we actually called the radio show and got on. And the radio host told my son, son, you don't understand. There's just certain things in this life that are blurry. And my son said back to the man, no, right is wrong. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Yeah, come on. That was a proud dad moment. But here's the reality. If if some Christian brothers and sisters of mine don't come around my son and continue to help me teach him that, he'll fall victim to that lie as well. And we can't, we can't, we can no longer allow the truth to be sabotaged. We can no longer allow the truth to be told as a lie. Because truth is life. Truth is goodness. God is truth. There's this lie out in the world that that when you belong to the church, that it's supposed to be this this grumpy, stuck-up, snobby place where, where it's like this elect club that only certain people get to go. Those people are mean. Those people are unhappy. Is that true? Have we conveyed that message? I hope the answer is no. But church, we should be a place of joy. People should look at us and see the truth of the fact that we have a resurrected king that we celebrated last week, and they should see joy and happiness. The reputation of the church should be those are the people who are happy. Those are the people that are, are, are awesome. Those are the people that are joyous. Those are the people that will help you. Not the other way around. But we've begun to buy into the lie that truth is up to us. And that is just not true. We find Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. They've had dinner. They're at the Last Supper before Jesus would be handed over into suffering and death. And while they're sitting there, they're all talking, and Jesus had just washed their feet. And he looks around at the table and he says, one of you tonight is going to sell me out. And when he says this, you can imagine going to a party and someone drops a bomb like that. It kind of killed the mood a little bit. Imagine yourself at that dinner table. There's Jesus just told you, someone's going to betray me tonight. The mood is damp. The mood is sad. So Jesus begins to talk about where he's going to go from here. And Peter, being the knucklehead that he is, I love him to death. He jumps right in and he says, Lord, you know, let me just read it to you. It's really good. It's in John 13, verse 34, if you have your Bible. 
Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked him, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay my life down for you. And Jesus answered him, will you really lay down your life for me? I'll tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter jumps in, excited, saying, Lord, where are you going to go? And Jesus begins to describe to them going to his father's house. Being excited and with great intentions, Peter says, I'll lay down my life for you, Lord. But yet, as we know how the story works, he in fact denies Christ. Judas gets up from the table, goes over and whispers something to Jesus as the disciples see, and Jesus says, go take care of what you got to take care of. And Judas went on his way. As the mood continued to kind of decline, as you can imagine, Jesus' heart becomes heavy for his disciples, and he tries to cheer them up, and he tells them these words talking about heaven. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And if this were not so, I would not have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus ends that with a leading statement. He's talking about his heavenly father. If you have a King James version of the Bible, version of the Bible it actually uses the word mansion. And, and I want to say something that maybe I'll end up preaching on some other time. But when we think of that word mansion, we have a very North Americanized version of what that word means because that word mansion used in that language is actually the word manse, which actually means a living quarter attached to the greater house. And to me, that has more power than my own mansion because I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have a place, a, a, a place of shelter, whatever you want to call it, attached to the home of God that Christ is now preparing for me. How awesome is that? That should have lifted their spirits, right? But then Jesus ends it with this goofy statement. And you know how to get to where I'm going, right? Well, of course, who opens their mouth but Thomas? (laughs) You know, I got to say this. Thomas was actually really faithful to Jesus. I mean, he followed the guy around. He did ministry with him. He really messes up a couple of times, and then he gets the the label Doubting Thomas. Kind of stinks, doesn't it? Well, guess who opens their mouth right now? Thomas. He says this. Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus answered to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen me. Jesus makes a proclaiming statement that he is truth. If we were to take Jesus' statement from then and compare it with our definition of truth today, we've got a really big problem, don't we? That we just turned Jesus into an MTO machine. But as we know, because history doesn't lie, sometimes the people that tell it do, we know that Jesus is truth. So what does that mean when Jesus says that he is truth? He says he's the way. He says he's life. We'll cover those other two in a second. 
we first have to understand what truth is in order to understand the way to life. When Jesus says, I am the truth, he's making a declaration that he is God. And we know that God is not a liar, for in in Titus 1, Paul reminds us that God is not a liar. God is not a liar. And all throughout this, Jesus has been talking about going and preparing a place for us and one day coming back for us. He says, I am the truth. So what is the truth? Well, truth is right and wrong. Truth is light. Truth is goodness, as we talked about earlier. And God is goodness. God is light. And anything that is not goodness, anything that is not light, anything that is not truth is evil. It is sin. And it is death. And Jesus is the embodiment of that truth. He's the embodiment of God. Jesus is the word of God. If you don't believe me, I encourage you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1, where it says this. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, this is verse 17, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This word that we hold, these are the words of God. I did not write these, you did not write these. Some government panel didn't get together and decide, hey, this is a good idea. These are the words of God. And what is written in here, if you declare to be a Christian, this is what we believe. This is truth. This is truth. It comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus brought truth to us in the form of God, in the form of man. It also goes on to say, and let me find my notes here. John 8, 31. This is a very important scripture, and a lot of you probably have this memorized. It says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He goes on in verse 34 to talk about the bondage of sin. So we have this concept that the truth will set us free. Jesus is the truth. We've got this concept of sin brings bondage. As we talked about last week, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he was in his death clothing, and he was, he was bonded by those linens that he wore after he had died. And Jesus, being truth, wants to set us free from the lies and the death that come with it. And so Jesus came to earth. The word became flesh. And Jesus was that word. Jesus is truth. You were designed and intended to be a child of truth. When we go out and we live for ourselves as if we can be our own truth or we can bring our own morality, we ask ourselves the questions, why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so lost? I remember talking to a young college student. She had just come off of 
a night of doing college student things. And she just was disheveled and broken. And, and I was having a conversation with her about how lost and empty she felt. And I began to speak to her about truth. And she said, what is truth? Truth is what I make it. Truth is whatever feels good now. That is truth to me. And I simply said to her, as long as that is your weak identity of truth, you will never know peace. You will never know freedom. Our concept of truth, when found in us, only leads to death. And maybe this morning you're sitting here and you know that empty feeling that I'm talking about. You're never going to find it creating your own truth. You're never going to find it creating your own morality. You may not even agree with all of it. I don't care. I didn't agree with everything my mother ever told me either. But I'm glad I did it. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus is truth. And when we cling to him, we will find life. Because you see, truth is truth. Truth is righteousness. Truth is goodness. And when we understand that the only truth that we can have is found in Jesus, it is then that we can find a way to experience true life. Jesus said, I am the way. He is the way because through his death and his resurrection alone can we be unified and brought to the Father's house. And when we're in the Father's house, we will truly experience life the way God intended it for us to be, which is good. I love the way Pastor Doug prayed earlier when he said, let us not forget about our time now. We think about heaven, but we have a life to live now. And Christians, listen to me. We are not to be grumpy. We are not to be sourpusses. We're to be excited, exuberant, just joyous by the fact that we have a Savior and that we have a King who loves us so much to be the truth for us. Truth is not stifling. I've heard people say it over and over that that the church is, you know, it's just the rules and, and do's and don'ts. If that's how you're reading the Bible, you're reading it wrong. Because when you read the scripture for the truth that it is, you find that it frees you from the bondage of sin. It frees you from all the garbage that you're, you're stuck in. And you want to fill that empty void in your, sp- in your life and in your soul? Get with truth. Because the truth will set you free. God loves each and every one of you. He desires for you to have a way through him to that perfect life. We are called as believers to live now with joyous expectations of God. We are called to go out and we are to tell others about the good news of Jesus, about the truth that we find in him. Truth brings us life. And Jesus is the way. And the only truth is found in who he is. Upon his death and resurrection. And as long as you're putting your faith and your trust in you, you are believing in lies. Each one of us has been there. Some of us have been set free from that. So if you're in a moment right now and you've got questions about how do I get set free, how do I get on to the real truth, how do I become Saved? How do I get to know God? I want you to ask somebody today. Come talk to me. Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Do you hear me? There is no other way to God than through the Son, Jesus Christ. 
He's desiring a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. The only person standing in your way is you. And so you need to let go. And you need to cling to the truth of God, not the truth of you. I remember when I took that step, it was such a freeing moment of my life. I can't explain the weight that was lifted off my shoulders of knowing that I messed up, but God still loves me. And that he's going to help me figure out how to adhere to the truth. And he put godly people in my life. And I pray he does the same for you. Let's pray. God, help us not to believe the lies of this world. That we can find happiness, that we can find joy in pursuing our sinful desires. Because that is a lie. Truth is found in obedience to you. Life is found in obedience to you. And what's amazing, because you're this backwards king, freedom is found in obedience to you. This isn't a thing of rules and do's and don'ts, but this is a relationship that we get to be a part of, that we get to experience your goodness. We get to experience your grace and your mercy, not the death and torment that is lying for those that don't trust in you. And so, God, we give you this morning. And we pray that you will help us to be Christians who courageously stand for truth, not a political truth, not a a personal agenda to truth, but the truth of Jesus Christ resurrected. The truth that he took upon himself the sins of man and that he rose again on that third day because he loves us. So help us, God, to study your word. When you change our hearts, our, our desires become different. We desire to serve you. We desire to please you. Our heart is, is attuned to what you want to see happen, God. And so what at one time we thought was this slavery, we find is pure freedom and pure joy. And so unleash our hearts, God, from ourselves and help us to find truth in you. And be with us now, God, as we as Christians just lift our voices because we know the slavery from which we've been set free. And I don't ever want to go back to that, God. The grass was greener on the other side. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for being truth. In your name we pray.